I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be here sharing with you lessons I've learned, conversations I've had that will equip you to create new habits, challenge mindsets, and build relationships that will allow your family to thrive. Imagine discovering that marriage wasn't the bliss you expected, realizing that love alone couldn't overcome the challenges you faced. Each partner brought deep-seated childhood traumas, struggles with abuse, and battles with addiction into the relationship. That's what happened to guests Tim and Kathy Bush. After trying for years to fix themselves, they finally turned to God and surrendered their marriage to Him. Their lives were radically transformed from the inside out. Tim and Kathy are speakers and Family Life affiliate staff who share their stories at marriage conferences and retreats across the country. They founded War Room Ministries, which strengthens men, marriages, families, churches, and develops Christian character through redemption, relationships, and resilience. They joined me today on the podcast to share their incredible story. We talked about the role that generational trauma played in their relationship, what forgiveness looks like in a marriage, and the lasting impact our marriage has on our children. Welcome, Tim and Kathy. It is incredible to have you on the podcast. We're excited to be here. Really excited. It's a privilege. Yeah. So a question we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? Okay, I'm going to let Tim answer that. Well, we, we were known in our community as being a business family, a family that started businesses and, and, and did really well in the, in, the, in, the, in the environment, hired lots of people, had multiple businesses, was a success, but it was really not completely the truth, meaning our success came later, around 14 years ago, when we made some deep decisions to change our lifestyle, and that changed our business but it also changed our community around us too. So it actually who we're known for now is I would say more of a marriage ministry, Kath and I, and where I would be a mentor to men in business that would want to be doing it in a Christian manner versus the old way of doing business, how it worked for us for many years, but it just didn't work for us long-term. So yeah. I don't know helps you or not but that kind of, that kind of is, is our family our family is is uh and our whole family has transformed our businesses have changed from what we were doing 10 15 years ago to what we're doing now everything has changed so mm-hmm. from a 35 year career in the car business Kath was an esthetician she started in the car business with me for a while our kids were in the car business with with us all of them at one point and then the, the boys were partners with us. And then we sold that business and and went into the car wash business and other businesses. But ultimately, God kind of changed it all. And mm-hmm. it kind of also messed it up in a good way. Yeah, that's amazing. So if I come to visit you, what can I expect? What can I count on? Well, you can count on me that I'm going to be a straight shooter. I'm going to tell you how it is. And if I can't honor God in our, with our conversation, there will be no conversation. Mm, that's good. That's for me. As but, a man. And I, th- I think, too, when I think about what we're known for, especially these last 14 years, that we are passionate about marriage and helping marriages and giving marriages hope and 
with what God did in our marriage. We love to share our story and what God did in our marriage. And I would say people know us for that now mm-hmm. for working in marriages and, and, and I would say even our, our kids and our grandkids know that our grandkids would say granny and papa are doing marriage events and helping marriages. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Okay. So you are here to talk about your story. You just wrote a book called sex on the first date, and it is very raw and unfiltered. <laughs> it is definitely a vulnerable story. You open up about a lot of things. So what inspired you to write this book? What was your journey and your transition like from helping marriages to then saying, we need to do a book? I can, I'll start. Is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started out by doing our very first marriage event around 12 years ago. And shared our story uh with a resource and then uh we 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 ended up doing it at a larger church changed it to a larger church and you and used a different resource and shared our story but we did critiques at the end of every one of these events and now we've led i'm going to say close to five thousand couples in the mid fours to upper uh, close to five thousand couples through a thing called the art of marriage and i'll call it tim and, tim and kathy style because we inter we we intertwine our story through the through the event, through the day, and how we do it, and I can tell you that in the critiques, the critiques said you guys need to write a book. We want to hear more of your story, less of the resource. And the resources are amazing, but they wanted to hear our story because, uh, as a friend of ours that lives in Visayas, California, just said a few weeks ago when we did an event at their church, she said you your story weaves through everybody in the audience. Nobody has a perfect marriage. And so whether it's a pre-marriage with issues, a marriage that's completely broken to a marriage that's healing in different ways to a thriving marriage mm-hmm. story can intertwine with all that. And, and yeah. God did it. So that hopefully that helps you. Yeah. And I think, I think what really inspired us too was I know, I know Tim started talking about writing our book it, and for me, it was a little harder. I, I wasn't sure I wanted to put our story out there completely. But as God worked in me and I and realizing that the people that we're talking about in our book were not those people anymore. And we and we realized that we've got to we've got to share it because we've got to show people how big our God is mm-hmm. and what we can do in marriages. And so yeah. we had to we had to tell all and bringing our kids into it and having our kids, you know, write some of the things they wrote in that book about what they saw. It was hard to hear. Very humbling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, and we knew those things and we've, we've faced all those things with them, but really to put it in a book. Um, I think it's not only Tim and I telling our story, but it's bringing the kids in mm-hmm. and they're, they're telling it too, which validates what we're saying. They definitely yeah. You know, we were in high school, for example, that we were going to get a divorce for sure. And we thought we were probably going to get a divorce. We just didn't really agree that that was ever going to happen at the same time. So we, because we did a lot of tough things to our marriage and we'd share about that in the book. And, and, but now the writing of the book to me was more out of obedience to God. Mm-hmm. If we can help one marriage with our book, that's why we did it. And, mm-hmm. and, it's not us that's helping the marriage it's God through us and by by his redeeming grace we are saved we are great we are doing well and we could go on vacation the rest of our lives but we just know we can't do that of obedience to him and so we have to do what we're doing and we feel great joy when we do it Mm -hmm. so go to a marriage event 
and we see couples come in and they're disconnected, not holding hands on their phones, et cetera, by noon at our events that we put on, that's over. Mm. And they touch each other and move towards each other. And not that we are doing anything other than sharing our story and, they're, and giving them hope, but God's stirring them up. Yeah. And, and we're giving them tools that they can use. And yeah. we believe every marriage can be better. And every there's just absolutely no way a couple, if they do the right things, and it's not a, not a lot, would need, would need to get a divorce. Mm. That's good. I, I can get that. I, I understand the idea of wanting to hear someone's story because I've been to a handful of you know, marriage, not even retreats. We haven't really done an official. Actually, it's not true. We've done a marriage retreat. There's a lot of things our church will do and a lot of people get up and want to give us the anecdotes. And I'm like, no, no, no. I really want to talk to somebody who's been in the hard stuff. I don't want to just hear some of the things that I should be doing. And if I just do this and it it might turn out well, (laughs) I want to know that you've experienced some of this stuff that I sometimes don't want to share with people. How do I know that you're actually in the trenches or that you've experienced this, or am I just totally way off base and this is just happening to me? And so I think those stories are so impactful and beneficial for sure. We we used to have, we used to do a six week uh, class and we had countless where couples would come up more to Kath than me and women would come up to Kath and say, this is so refreshing. Mm. Church on Sunday and everybody's happy. Yeah. You come up here and it's on a Sunday night and you're sharing your story without shame and sharing mm-hmm. what God did. It gives us hope because we realize not everybody's happy on Sunday morning. They're just putting their mm-hmm. happy face on. Mm-hmm. And we heard that time and time again. But on the other hand, we've also heard, how can you share those things? Mm-hmm. You know, you hear both sides of it. And because I think the culture sometimes of the church is you don't share those things. And so we've kind of, I mean, we, we, we've heard that in the church, you know, how can mm-hmm. you, share things? but we hear more often than not that we're glad that you're sharing. Yeah. Well, I went to a women's breakfast and like she wrapped up the woman who was speaking, wrapped up saying like, we shouldn't be sharing these things that are going on with our marriage because it's disrespectful to our husbands. And I was like, yeah. what? It was through relationship and I, through friendship and through sharing things that I had friends be like, that's not normal. That's not what. You, you know, they were, they were able to advise me and, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty good about share things with friends who share my faith and who will hold me accountable. So it's not like I'm out there talking it up. It made me right. feel like she was trying to say, I'm not even supposed to do that. I'm supposed to keep mm-hmm. it to myself because that's not, you know, I don't know. The well, right. that's, that's exactly yeah. how the enemy is going to work because the enemy wants to isolate us mm-hmm. and we're not sharing those things. Now there's a difference between sharing them with people who are not going to encourage you in your marriage that mm-hmm. are going to, you know, and, and that's your job to find those type of women who are going to mm-hmm. encourage. That's mm-hmm. what we want. Yeah. We want, we want yeah. friends who are going to encourage us in our marriage and we have the freedom to share what we, what we need to share so we can hear that we're not alone in those things. Yeah. 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 All right. So you, you've mentioned already your faith, but let's talk a little bit more about what kind of uh, role that faith played in transforming your marriage. <laughs> everything. everything. <laughs> if, if, we, if we could say one word, I'd say everything. I can tell you that it was a journey because I was definitely, the scriptures say that every knee will bow. And I was a guy that was pretty much, I thought, self-made, made millions of dollars, made babies, had nice homes, nice cars, everything mm-hmm. a person could want until God had had enough of me. I believe, and allowed me to get brought to my knees. Mm. I was debilitated, couldn't work, 
even to the point of suicide. Uh, and the economy changed. I sometimes think 2008 happened. God did it just for me uh, <laughs> to humble me. But there was there, that. Ultimately, I was not willing to let God be the ruler of my life or even have any control of my life other than just a really small part. And he wanted it all. Mm. And uh, I wasn't willing to give it up. And so I think through a, through a, through some things that happened, through some deaths and some tragedies and some things that happened over a very short period of time, he got control. And, and ultimately, we gave our lives to the Lord. I, mine was through, I was sick for like a year and a half where I was sick and embattling anxiety, depression, all those things. And to the point of suicide, like I shared, Mm. ultimately God let me out of that, but it took, there were some steps in there. There were some huge steps and Kath was right alongside me throughout the whole thing. And what's interesting is for Tim and I, we, we attended church. I was raised in the church and we attended church and took our kids to church for many years thinking that we were Christians, but we, we had not surrendered our life to the Lord. So there's a total difference where Mm -hmm. you're just kind of going along with the flow, thinking, checking it off your list, think you're doing the right thing. And God showed us different. He, he pretty much took everything away from us and and until we turned to him because Tim and I tried everything in our marriage and not just bad things, but we tried good things too. We tried a lot of self-help stuff and we were always searching. And until we came to Jesus, that's so I, as we say, it was everything. It, it was everything in our marriage. I told men all across the country and I have done this a lot and I do it in marriage events too. So women as well. So I, I I shared that I became a man at 47 years old. I was a boy. Mm. And, and I was a boy doing boy things in a man's body. And 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 that's I had to make some changes. Because mm. uh, it just wasn't working anymore. And right. and so we and we did go to church, like Cass said. I and I tell this all the time too. We went 12 times a year plus Christmas and Easter. So that's 1.3 times a month. <laughs> That's what we did. And we said we went to church. Mm-hmm. So and 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 I handed out business cards at church too. I I promoted my business and stuff like that. So I looked at more of as a networking opportunity versus going to church. But I, usually church was about for me was to get it over with so I get to the football game or to right. brunch or something else more important. It was an hour at the most, four times, mm-hmm. four, four three times a month. Yeah. So you talk about generational trauma and it has a significant part in your story. So can you explain to us what that is? Cause I do think that I've heard this phrase. I, I'm familiar with it. Um, but I think a lot of our listeners may not know what that refers to. So can you just explain to us what it is and how it impacts people's lives? You go first. Okay. Well, I think, so you're, t- you're talking in reference to how generational trauma affected us. Mm-hmm. In- well, and it started for me where I was molested as a child. And so that carried into, you know, how I just, it, it carried into all parts of my life. And then what's interesting too, you know, our daughter at the same age, she was molested. Mm-hmm. And so, 
And I, when I, when we look at it now, it's like, I mean, Tim and I know that we played a huge part in that happening to our daughter because we weren't present. And I think as far as generational trauma and, and breaking that generational trauma and those generational sins is you need to be aware of what it is. And, you know, after that happened to our daughter, I don't think it, we were fully affected by it until we actually gave our life to the Lord and really realized what had happened and what we had mm-hmm. done, a role in it. And we had, to, I mean, we came to our daughter and admitted what, you know, that we weren't there to protect her and how mm-hmm. sorry we were. And, and our daughter has had complete forgiveness. I've had complete forgiveness in what had what ha- has happened to me. And I feel like it's just, that's gener- the generational sin. It until you really are aware of it, it's not going to stop. Mm-hmm. And it was also, I think, for it, it was different for Tim. Yeah, I'll sure I'll sure about that. And and as far as Trisha's goes too, we have a, she has a video in this book that's that actually she shares her story how it took seventeen years to heal, but it wow. did heal. And it was forgiven. Yeah, and I'm not. And I'm not sure if you if you know that about our book. We've we've have put we've put eight videos throughout the book that dive deeper into the stories and bring our kids and grandkids in. And we that. can share those to you. We can send those to you separately so you can put them on your website if you want. The yeah. videos are of very high quality. So they're and they and the kids are talking about the real life stories. Yeah. But for me as a kid, uh, my my childhood was different. Meaning, I had my mom was married nine times. My dad was married five. And my my first stepdad physically abused me, put me in the hospital at four, and then again mm-hmm. at six. And back in those days, there's no CPS, so it just right. it just happened, and I didn't realize how those things were going to happen. Then my mom married another guy, and it happened uh, again. I was physically abused again, and I watched these two men, actually three different men, physically abuse my mom too. Mm-hmm. So I watched that happen, and so so then at age twelve. Well, I didn't expect that. <laughs> so then at age 12, uh, my my mom gave me up for adoption. And and my dad, of course, was not a big part of my life. We reconciled since my dad and I, but my my dad signed the papers, signed me over to my grandparents. And then my grand my grandpa gave me the uh, he gave me a lot of stuff where you needed to sow your wild oats at a young age. I'm mm-hmm. starting talking to 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old and telling me things like someday you're going to be stuck with somebody like your grandma the rest of your life. So you want to make sure and do these things. Now, he also taught me how to work, my work ethic, all the things that have made me successful as far as those things. But as far as being a man, there was there was no, we didn't go to church. There was no foundation there that way. There was just work hard. Women were going to be attracted to you making money and having a nice car and having a house. And he was right. They were, but it was the wrong kind of attraction. Mm. And, and I didn't, so I didn't set myself up to be a very good husband. And I thought when I found Kath and she was a church girl, that that would change me. Mm. So I married her family and her. I looked at her mom and saying, here's a good looking woman. Kath's going to look like her someday. And, <laughs> and as long as I get all the sex I want, she takes care of all my needs. I'm going to be a, a changed man. Well, the problem is I brought that same guy into the marriage and I didn't change. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know why, but it, 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 it took me till I was 47 years old. So yeah. it was a long journey. And, and, and I also shared that with my kids. That's how 
they, they saw that's how I rolled. Mm-hmm. And, and so they saw that. And I think it was starting to maybe go that way for them. And I'm just glad we made the changes when we did. So they didn't, they didn't get infected by it too bad. Right. So I've heard a lot of people say, well, leave the past in the past. Why do I have to revisit everything for us to move forward? Especially when it comes to relationships. So how do we recognize, how do we say, oh my gosh, there's something at work here. What are some of the signs? Besides just maybe not behaving the way you should. (laughs) Well, I think it's important. I I think you have, you've got to deal with the past and the thing about what happened with how it happened for Tim and I and giving our life to Christ and becoming new creations. You know, we're totally different people, but we still had our past and there's consequences to your past too. We are forgiven, Mm -hmm. but you still have those consequences and you still have to work through them. You know, we spent two years in marriage counseling and this was actually before we gave our life to Christ that I felt like we worked through a lot of our marriage issues and but I think the thing is, is like, you have to, you have to really know, you have to put your finger on like, what were those problems so that you don't continue with those and you have to be accountable to them. And, mm-hmm. you know, like all the infidelity in our marriage, like we know, we know why those things happened. We know that we're not those same people, but we now have boundaries put up and we have guidelines in our marriage and we have we have safeguards that we do every day. You know, I mean, we're in God's word every day. We're praying together every day. It's a non-negotiable. We have, it's mm-hmm. just a non-negotiable. Just and we do, we do those things because we know what our life was like before. And we don't, and we, we don't want to be, we don't want those things to happen. Mm. And so we're just really aware of that. And we want to have a thriving marriage and we know what it takes to have a thriving marriage. So we're going to do those things now. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go back to what we were doing before. And I had a friend, or I won't call it a friend, and somebody that I really looked up to tell me just what you said. Let sleep, just let the sleeping dogs lie. You take these things to your grave. Well, the problem is that eats you up. You Mm -hmm. can't, some people just can't deal with that. I couldn't. And I had been going to counseling for years to, like Kath said, and the, and Kath had come to the point where she quit going. We were good in our marriage. At least we thought we were, and we were on a good track, but he was helping me with my abuse and he thought that was the issue. And mm-hmm. he shared, helped me get through the abuse with some, with some tools he shared with me. And, and, I, and I really think I actually forgave my brother's dad, actually a, a whole other story, but on my brother's deathbed, my b- brother's dad was across from me and I forgave him. And an hour later, my brother died at mm-hmm. 43, which was part of that big change that mm-hmm. brought me to the Lord. But I can tell you that I, I did forgive him, but I, things were not fixed in me. Mm. And my counselor said, well, there's some things you're not telling me then. <laughs> and mm. so I shared about my infidelity that I had never shared with Cal. In the two years of counseling. In the two years of counseling. He had never shared. Oh, yeah. So there's something yeah. at work that you're, yeah. 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 And, yeah. And so he said, well, you have to tell her that. And I said, there's no way. <laughs> I mean, mm. how can I tell her that? Well, then ultimately I did. And that's where the real healing started because mm. instead of her leaving, she said, I'm not going. She actually, I went up after I told her all about all the things that I had done through all these years, 27 years. Uh, I went to hug her and she held her hands up and said, Oh no, don't hug me, but I'm not going anywhere. Right. 
and she stayed with me and because I was really sick. I mean, I was I was really, really sick and she knew it. And I, I'm not going to say she felt sorry for me, but I can tell you when she forgave me and a couple things that happened during that period of time, I believe that's when I first saw Jesus through her. Mm. I saw the love of Jesus, unconditional love from her that I did not deserve. And I didn't come to Christ right away. There was a, a couple of things that happened after that, but a couple other people there. It's so funny how God works and puts so many people in your life at the right time to get you where you need to get. If you're just open to getting there. Yeah. And, and most people, or just, sometimes not even open to. Yeah. It. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Sometimes open. yeah. Yeah. All right. So I have questions for Kathy about this. So obviously your hope is in Christ at that point, but did you have a sense of hope? Did you feel like, oh my gosh, he's, he's hitting the bottom. We're finally getting to the bottom of this. Or were you like, I can't believe this is happening. Well, I, when he is telling me everything, it's really when I feel like our marriage to me kind of starts to make sense because Mm. I had been divulging everything and working through stuff and counseling with him. And I assumed he was too, but I always felt like, I kind of felt like I didn't quite understand everything in the marriage until he finally came clean with everything. And I actually felt like, okay, now we are at the, we are at a place where now we can start healing. And so, and I feel like that was really true. And, but what we hadn't completely given our lives to Christ at this point. Now, see, I think for me, because I was raised in the church, I believed but I still hadn't surrendered my life to Christ. Mm-hmm. I think that that was working in me, like this process. Mm-hmm. And and it gave me, and, and Tim was really sick in our marriage for so long. Was He was so controlling. But at this point, he had no control. Of anything. And I, I, I could have left him easily at that point. But mm-hmm. my heart just went out to him. And I thought, you know, I really want, I want this marriage to work. I want, mm-hmm. I want us to figure this out. And, and so it was... That's where I think you you just can't have secrets in a marriage. There can't you you everything. Secrets kill. They just yeah. kill. It starts with a block, and then you have two blocks, and you have eight blocks, and pretty soon you have a wall. Yeah. Mm. And when it gets cemented, it's pretty hard to break down. So you have to you have to knock those blocks down as they come up right away. You can't just you can't you can't accumulate blocks between you and your spouse. The only mm. thing that can be between you and your spouse, in our opinion, is Christ. Yeah. Christ at the center. I can tell you in February, uh, February 28th of 2009, when my brother passed away, we thought things were going to get better, but they got worse. I, at that point, I start, I'm drinking heavily, like a fifth a day. I'm taking some heavy drugs to try to overcome my anxiety and my depression. And again, thinking suicide. And ultimately, what started to change this was a friend asked me if I would consider reading the Bible. And I said, I have been 70 pages a night, whiskey in one hand, Bible in the other. And I'm not getting anything from it. And he recommended that I slow down and read just a proverb a day. And I didn't even know if the proverb was in the New Testament or the Old Testament at that point. But I said I would consider it. And a couple weeks later, I asked Kath if she would read the Bible with me. And she said, yes. Yeah, and I say, I say at this point, that's like the sexiest thing Tim's ever done. Like that was the first, <laughs> first godly thing, you know, way that he led me in our marriage, and it was pretty wow. sexy. And I wow. was, I was like, of course, I'll read the Bible with you. So I was reading, excited reading the Bible, and we were slow, I'm slowing down on my drinking, meaning I'm I'm trying to do a cleanse and lose some weight and do some things like that. And and then uh, a guy took me through grief counseling. 
and he also was the guy that walked my brother through his death. Mm. And he he asked me to go to a group. And I said, I won't do a group. But he said, well, how about one-on-one? So I said, okay. So on about the fourth time, he said, Tim, he said, I need to tell you this. I've been a pastor for 40 years. I've never had this conversation with another person ever before. And I think it's from the Lord. He said, Tim, you, I could lose my job over this. You need to go find yourself a Jesus-loving Bible-teaching church because you have a calling on your life, and it's a big calling. Mm. And so I went, I didn't know what a calling was, so I went home to Kath and asked her. And I, <laughs> but, and I thought every church was a Jesus-loving Bible-teaching church. Right, right. She said, But she said, I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm in. No matter what it is, we'll just figure it out. And we started searching. Oh, and wow. started reading the Bible more and drinking less. And I was class president of a pretty large high school in Vancouver, Washington. And so I was the party well that summer on August 21st of that year. We had our 30-year class reunion. And I was always a party in my room after the party. And it was no different this year. And then that night, the next morning, Kath woke up and said she wanted, she said, we need to listen to our counselors. Maybe we should quit drinking. Well, I, I said I was okay with doing it for one month. I wasn't going to do it for a long period of time, but I would try it for a month. And but the funny thing is, when we finally gave it up on August 31st of 2009 for one month, mm-hmm. things started to change in our lives. Yeah. And we're searching for this church. And at the end of the month, we we did an exercise that I'd done in the car business called the Ben Franklin Clothes, pros and cons. And we decided to not drink for another month. And and then we haven't drank since. <laughs> so, so because we, life just got too good. Life got too good. But yeah, that's act- what, that's what I've heard people talk. I mean, certainly that was I've experienced that as well. Th- this idea of let's just stop for thirty days, and people are like, "Wait a minute, I think I'm going to do this longer. I think I'm going to do this longer." Like that tends to be a common story that I hear. Of people that have decided we're just this is not something I'm going to choose anymore. Yeah. 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 Now we're 14 years, three months, and 12 days as of, as of today. <laughs> wow. so, so it's uh, it's uh, it, and 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 there's been times when I wouldn't have minded to have a beer or something like that. But mm-hmm. you know, our testimony and how we share with others is more important than that. I would never mm-hmm. want to stumble anybody either. Yeah. And uh, and, uh, and I, life's just too good. Life's too good. Life's mm-hmm. too it's clear and yeah. And it's just, it's, it's just too good. We we don't need alcohol. Alcohol about destroyed our marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you've shared a lot. So if, if we were to take what you've just shared and boil it down to a couple steps, what does those steps look like for breaking this generational trauma cycles? So give us some, do us, do us a little recap. So I think it goes back to recognizing what it is what what the problem is mm-hmm. and being aware of it and admitting and being accountable to your part in it because i think too we can we can it's generational so we can blame the generation ahead of us and the generation mm-hmm. before us but you know we have to be accountable so that we can stop it mm-hmm. and i loved it in one of the videos in our book our son i think it was our son said or one of the kids said that the generational sin has stopped. Yeah, did say that. And it was like that. How, that's amazing to hear from one of your kids. He said, yeah. our parents have done the generational sin has stopped. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's, that's huge. huge. Yeah. You know, so, and, and, and so other things you want, you would want to, in my opinion, you would invite Christ into your marriage every yep. day. 
And it's and, and what that means is prayer. And what we find too, we find that most people don't know how to pray. And we're not talking about meals. Thank you for the food, God. Mm-hmm. Talking about when we model this too, just to the simple point where I and we do this at events too. We'll actually model this where I'll make it so simple. Guys, listen to me. I thank God for the gift of my wife in Jesus' name. Amen. That's simple. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be big. Start small, but do it every day. And then we yeah. then cap. And then Kath would do the same thing for the women. And, and I had a woman after an event, after we did modeled that small prayer, she came up to me in tears and pretty much said, my husband has never prayed with me. And I wondered if he was going to do it. And he did. Oh, and wow. she goes, you guys need to do that more. And she was just like, like so excited, you know, just to hear your spouse say, I thank God for the gift of my wife or my husband. Yeah. It's huge. Mm-hmm. It's a huge thing. Yeah. And I think you, you see it even in... And especially in leadership in the church, the, the the pastors in these churches they have a they have a large calling. They're responsible for a lot of people, but their number one ministry I would always recommend it would be right here. And yeah. you model a Christ centered marriage in the church is going to do nothing but help your church. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure out how do you how does that work? How does that fit? Well, you have to model it. You have to know how to do it. What's that look like? And 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 then of course reading God's word every day. Those are the things. I, it's it's not hard. It really isn't. It's it's really what you're talking about is a 15 to a 30 minute commitment every day. Maybe more. Maybe less. Well, not just reading God's word too. You got to do what God God's word set, tells us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There's you can go through the motions of reading God's word, but really taking it in and understanding it and, mm-hmm. and applying it to your life. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we've we've had to do and and we're not perfect by no means yeah we still have our issues but we we get guys too i get guys too they'll say well how do you do it like when you go on vacation i says well uh god doesn't take vacation (laughs) so so you got the phone you got the phone and like when i go on a pheasant hunt which i go every year and it's a literally a a men's bible study pheasant hunt and the pheasant hunt is just a it's just what we do. But the Bible study is sweet and it's accountability. It's a bunch of men. But anyway, it's amazing. But what I can tell you is I do call Kath every day and I pray with her on the phone and she never turns me down. And she, and I think if you make it a non-negotiable in your marriage and you make it important and our kids and grandkids know we do that and they see it. And I believe there's a good chance they could do it, too, because wow. of that. Mm-hmm. You know, when the going gets tough time to get on your knees maybe mm-hmm. you know let's let's ask the lord to help yeah. instead of instead of going to the divorce court and there mm-hmm. are some time there are some days that maybe me and tim aren't getting along that great and he'll he'll want to pray and so he'll pray and i'll be like i'm not praying today no problem and, uh, and he kind of tries to go praying long to try and get me to join in you know and convicted. i'm a little stubborn sometimes <laughs> yeah <laughs> So I want to talk a little bit more about your kids. I want to know how old were they when you started making this transition and then the impact that it's had on your family. So for me personally, my kids are, so I have a 16, 18, and 20. So I have some in the house, some out of the house, some at school, you know, some here. But I just, I felt like there was this clock that was ticking that I just, with my marriage, I wanted to figure out how to get it right before they left. And then I was worried that, oh my gosh, as the transformation is happening in my marriage, are my kids going to see it? Have I lost my influence on them? Have I lost my impact? Is this too late for me to change the trajectory 
of what they see, because I know that now they're dating and that they're, you know, in relationships. It sounds like it was later on in your marriage that you had that transformation. Talk to me about the impact it had on your children and how you've seen their lives transformed as adults. Well, and it was definitely, and definitely it's never too late (laughs) because our kids were, because this was 14 years ago. They were all married. They were all married. We had grandkids. Yeah. A few. A few grandkids. And so, yeah, it was much later. They were in there. Actually, we had six grandkids. Yeah, we had six grandkids. (laughs) Wow. So, so. But But, you know, all of our grandkids at this point, really they only only know us as the new granny and papa mm. so so that's pretty cool but they know they actually our granddaughter who is 14 she read our book she was wow. here over the summer and she wanted to read we had the manuscript so she wanted to read it and she was uh had a bunch of questions and good conversations and but she knows you know that we're that we're different and she said she said, Granny, the thing that I just didn't like about it is I don't like the marriage questions in between the chapters because I'm not married. And <laughs> I was like, well, Kayleen, that's not for okay. you. That's for married people. But I'm glad. And she goes, but I, I love the book. So she liked Aww. the book. And she's in she's in some of the videos. Well, and these kids need to know that too. I have a we have a, a couple of grandsons that have been through, I do a thing called Stepping Up for Men. And they actually come to that. And I remember uh, my grandson who's now 18 he was 16 he came in to stepping up week one and i share a lot of our story kind of the rated r version with the men is what i call it versus in pg 13 in the marriage events because kath doesn't let me say some of the things <laughs> so 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 i i shared it and then he came up to me after i shared and he says papa could you stay after tonight i got some questions wow <laughs> and so and his first question was, does Granny, she's called Granny by the grandkids, does Granny know all these things, Papa? Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I said, yeah, she knows. And uh, But he, it was a 10-week deal, and he stayed after every week and had questions. Wow. And the, the, these kids need to know these things because they're going to find out from the internet or they're going to find out from their friends mm-hmm. better than somebody that has influence on them that has been through it and mm-hmm. made it. And we have a lot of apologies to our kids. We had to apologize to every one of our kids about multiple things and in-law kids. Mm-hmm. And one of our kids uh, was a late bloomer coming to the Lord. They're all believers now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all they're all born again. And, uh, you know. The, and I believe that is because we put our stake in the ground. Yeah. So the influence that we had, um, you know much later in life was huge to our kids Mm. so i mean because we went we went from drinking and partying with our kids to where our kids our kids will have a drink here and there but it's not it's you know we don't there's no partying like that we do different kinds of parties you know it's totally different and they would say and they say throughout the book in the call out boxes and in the videos the transformation that they saw in in us has only been positive on their lives in fact our daughter-in-law amanda who's in a video she's also in the book and in the call boxes she said she's been married to tj for over 20 years wow and she says kathy and tim are completely transformed humans mm-hmm. and and that means a lot yeah because she saw us at our worst she saw us at our worst yeah. and 
And she, I mean, my son, our son introduced her at the dealership where we owned at the time. And that's this person. That's that person. That's my dad's girlfriend. And she, what? And it was just how I lived. And, and so I'm not proud of that at all. And I'm not glorifying it at all. Cause it was, it was wrong. All that stuff was wrong, but I didn't know or didn't consider it to be out of context when I was doing it, but the kids all know it was now. So, I mean, I know, and I tell them that, I mean, there's just not any part of it that was right. So. Okay. So we're going to wrap up. I mean, this isn't a quick question to answer, but maybe it is <laughs> forgiveness. The role that it played a big role in your journey, obviously. Mm-hmm. Can you just talk to us a little bit, what it looks like practically to live out forgiveness and forgive in our marriage? Well, I believe you cannot truly forgive until you you know the forgiveness of, of Jesus Christ in your life, because you know we didn't know Jesus for twenty seven years, and there were there were things we said we were we would forgive, and then we'd bring it back up, and so it looks different now. And so, knowing the forgiveness that Jesus has granted us, it makes it easier for us to for we we need to forgive each other. And so knowing that when you forgive your spouse for something and you truly forgive them, that means that you're not going to bring it back up, that it's not going to be an ongoing problem in your marriage. And if it is, then you haven't truly forgiven. And so practically, if that's happening, if there's something that you are continually battling with in your, with your spouse, it, you haven't forget you haven't forgiven them and forgiveness is for us it's truly for us because if we can't if we can't forgive we're we're the ones that's gonna, that is going to have to deal with it and pay for it and so tim and i have had to forgive a lot of things with each other and we truly have forgiven each other but it was only with the power of jesus christ that we were able to forgive and we believe with that forgiveness and with the tools that we just share with the, the reading god's word and praying together there is absolutely no way two people that say they're Christians born again, there's just no way they can get a divorce. It would be, it would be, I can't, that would be saying God couldn't do it mm-hmm. and God can do anything. And it, it says in the scriptures too, it's not Jesus. Am I supposed to, am I supposed to say it's okay seven times? And he says, no, seven times 70, it's, which means it's an imaginable number unimaginable number we we can forgive as much as we need to and because he gave he forgave us and we're in and and people get hung up because you're going to take your same self your same broken self if you get a divorce into the next relationship and even if you were only 10 percent fault because i get guys all the time she's this she's that she's that and i said well can you even take 10 percent of the blame and they'll say yeah i said well how about 15 sometimes they'll go up a little more than this. <laughs> no 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 more than 15 though I said, well, if you take that same 15% into the next relationship, how's that going to work? So you might as well fix you, quit trying to fix her, fix your 15% and see if that works, which is probably more like 75%, but he's in denial. Most guys are. (laughs) Most guys are in denial. It's all their fault. The guys I talk to, it's their wife's fault. Always. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got to look at myself in the mirror every day and say, I got to die to myself. I need Mm -hmm. to... I need to die to myself because she's worth it. Mm, that's good. All right. So some last words of encouragement, you know, like it sounds like 
mean, you guys both experience transformation. You, you, but that's not always the case. <laughs> I no. guess my point is so, so what encouragement do you have for people who feel alone in their marriage and they feel like, well, the other person really isn't interested in working on it. Not that they're not, they're not leaving, but they're not really interested in working on it. They're not interested in counseling or they're not interested in coming to the same sort of vulnerability, ready to change, ready to grow, ready to learn. Which is real life in some cases. We hear that. Yeah, Yeah. we we hear that that a lot. And and that's hard because it did happen for Tim and I together. But there was a lot of times in those 27 years that I remember feeling hopeless. And I wasn't interested in talking to anybody. No. And I, and I thought he's never going to change. He's always going to be. And I wanted out a lot of, a lot of the Mm -hmm. times. And so I think I would encourage a woman to the things that I, I didn't have anybody encouraging me to develop my relationship with Jesus Christ. I think that that would be my first encouragement is that we can only be responsible for ourselves. We're not going to change anybody else. Only God Mm -hmm. can do that. And so if we can work on our relationship with Jesus Christ and and go to him for all of our needs and pray for your spouse, pray for your husband or pray for your wife, I think that's ultimately what you what needs to happen and just patience, you know, patience with what God's going to do in your spouse. And like for us it was 27 years and you know I had a young a young woman that told me at one point that her, when her marriage was so bad, she goes, Kathy, I'm not waiting 27 years. Mm-hmm. And she, she and she didn't. didn't. And that was sad to me, but that that's the choice she made. And, you know, she's doing well now and in a, in a great marriage. I'm not saying that it was good that she got a divorce because I believe that God can, can heal any marriage and people, but people are going to make their choices. And then, for, and then for me, for the men, some men need a two by four moment. I mean, if I could reach through the screen and grab some guys by the neck, hit them over the head with a two by four and say, would you get over yourself, humble yourself? And you do that. I do I do, I do. a lot yeah. to guys because guys need to quit looking at their spouse for their fulfillment and they need to figure out how they can be better men and love their wives as Christ loves the church and die for their wives every day. And it's not a lot of things. It's maybe some little things, but figure it out. Like get up in the morning and empty the dishwasher or Send your wife a, a sweet text and tell her how hot she is, even <laughs> though she doesn't, she's not feeling very hot that day. But do something that's out of the realm. If you want your marriage to work, do something. Mm-hmm. Do something different because obviously, if you're in a rut, you got to take part of the. You got to be accountable. What can I yeah. do? You're the leader, dudes. Lead, lead, and 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 be better men. And don't work on your spouse to be better. Work on yourself to be better. I truly believe every man, if he would work on himself to be a better man, their marriages would be better, and their wives would come along, side them. But they but they want to see their man be a man. Yeah. And not and 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 I think that's there's a lot of boys right now that are still 40, 50 years old playing video games, not working. There's just so many things out there, or lots of excuses and don't. Mm-hmm. It's because they don't know. They didn't have anybody that ever showed them how. But there's a lot of tools out there that they can find, and they mm-hmm. can they can do that. Take your wife to a marriage event, you know, and make it your idea. Don't make it her idea. Say, hey, I want, and don't do it to make her better. Tell her you want to take her because you want to be a better husband, <laughs> and, and and go with that attitude. Yeah, and that and and that's how I truly believe 
men can work on their marriages. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so good. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your story. And I'm excited to finish reading your book and I'm excited for our listeners to read it too. Well, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. We enjoyed it. You can find Tim and Kathy at warroomministries.com. They're on Instagram and Facebook as War Room Ministry. I'll link to all of that, plus where you can find their book in the show notes. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If so, I'd like to ask a favor. Can you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? Besides sharing this podcast with your friends, leaving a review is one of the most effective ways that you can support us and help get the word out about the incredible resources we have to offer. I'm passionate about helping families thrive and your reviews help families find us. And remember, family culture isn't about perfect, it's about purpose.